Hello, everybody. Looks like we're live. I'm here today with Chad Nicholas, the author of Nightmare. We're here to have a spoiler-filled discussion of the book. Uh, we are waiting for Nikia's hideaway. I think she's running a little bit late. And unfortunately, David's book reviews couldn't make it today. He had something come up. So, David, thanks for coming by and chatting about Nightmare. No problem. So I was surprised um, of the twists and turns in this book. Did you have this planned out when you started writing it? Yeah. Yeah, the first thing I had the idea for was the ending and how that would go. And I kind of outlined it backwards, trying to put together everything I'd have to do to make the ending hopefully work. So, yeah, def definitely before I actually started writing, I had the whole thing outlined so I'd know how to set everything up. So you kind of worked backwards from there? Yeah. There's a lot of, uh, you know, with a psychologist and with that kind of, did you study, did you do any research on psychiatry and, and things like that? Uh, I did a little regarding the illness itself, even though in the book it's very much exaggerated and unrealistic. As far as the therapists uh, specifically, I didn't do that much more studying on psychology. I kind of just, based on examples I'd already seen in other fiction and movies and stuff, I kind of based the psychologist's character around those and then tried to go from there. I did do some research, but not an extensive amount. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious about that because it's it's it seems like you had looked into it because it seems like it's something that, you know, it, it was well put together. Did you start writing this a novel a while ago or when when did you start getting the ideas for it um i probably got the idea several years ago uh, i don't know the exact date but it was probably around 2017 somewhere around there and then uh i had a couple ideas for books i actually had a the crime novel i'm gonna release this year i had the idea for it first and then i decided to write nightmare before it because nightmares i don't want to say simple but it's more it had less moving parts to it so I thought I'd start with it and get like, since I thought it would be a tad bit easier to write. And then I outlined it for a couple years and then was never really sure if I was going to actually write it. But eventually I kind of, I, I think I really started trying to write it in 2018. And then I, in 2019, I gave it another shot. And then, and then uh, that's when I actually wrote the first draft. Oh, okay. And we have uh, Nikias Hideaway here with us. How you doing? Glad you can make it. Can you hear us okay? Yes. Hello, 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 hello. I was waiting I'm for good. the trademark. How are yeah. you guys? Good? Yes. Okay, awesome. You're not getting any feedback or anything, right? No, you sound good. <laughs> no, no weird audio, any, no weird audio problems. So Nakia, we were just chatting about about the book. So what did you think? What were your what were your thoughts? Okay, I think I have to use my phone audio because my computer is a delay. So. Oh. So what, what were your thoughts? I can't hear you guys. Okay, let me try. So she's. There uh, we go. Oh, is that better? There we go. Awesome. So what did you think about the book? I really enjoyed it. I'm glad you're here, Chad. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, of course, I was 
sucked in from the very beginning. Like I could not put it down, which is always a good sign. Um, Cause you know, I put many books down, um, but yeah, I just could not put it down. And of course I was trying to guess from the very beginning, like what is going on? I had all these, you know, hypothesis <laughs> of what could be going on with this story. Um, and I will say when I got to the end, I was like, I had to go back and reread some things a couple times because I was kind of like, uh, maybe, did I fully get it? And then it was one of those stories where it still stuck with me a couple days later. I was still thinking about the character, still thinking about the story. So I ended off with like a half, my rating was like with a half and then I, I, I raised it up a little bit after I was like, I'm still thinking about this story. So that's a good sign. Yeah, this was one that I thought about for a while after just and I was like you know, I went back and I tried to find certain points where I, I went back and tried to catch clues because I'm usually pretty good about catching where the story's going mm -hmm. I, had, I had no idea what yeah. was going on until the very end no mm -hmm. no clue mm -hmm. yeah I was like please don't spoil it for me Steve no, that was, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to ask you about it because I was afraid to spoil something so I, I thought I better just not say anything and just let you uh, let you experience it. Yes, yes. Are we doing spoilers here? Yeah, oh yeah. It's all spoilers. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. We're spoiler filled. Yes, yes. Well, I have notes. I have oh. my book through. I always take notes while I'm reading, so I can remember when I go to do my wrap up. And then I had notes in my Kindle as I was reading, oh, nice. highlighting stuff because I was like, "Oh, that's a clue. Let me highlight that." <laughs> So what were some of the points that stood out to you? Um, boy, so many. Uh, I will say, <laughs> uh, I thought, of course, because my imagination and me always trying to be four steps ahead of the story, I thought a lot more was going on than what was going on. Um, I was happy that uh, the dis dissociative identity disorder. Yeah. I was glad that was revealed earlier, so I was kind of like, okay, well, that we know, but I still was like, how many of these, what's real, what's not, what's in his head, what's not, so um, that stood out to me, just the way you wrote, Chad, to keep me captivated, like I said, every page, every chapter ended off where I just wanted to keep going, I had to keep, you know, wanted to know what was going to happen next, um, it also stood out to me. I know a lot of people have been saying the characters, which I agree, because I actually ended up caring about everybody. Um, yeah. Uh, I know a lot of people had an issue with the crows. They didn't bother me because we actually love crows in my house. So <laughs> they weren't scared of me, but I did love that they were always brought up. Because I actually went, up, went to look up what uh, the symbolism is with crows, because I was like, is this a clue? What does this mean? Does this have something to do with it? And just the way the whole um, twist came at the end where I was like, wait, like I said, the fact that I had to go back and reread the reveal part, I was like, oh, okay. But then I still had some questions at the end. But um, like I said, what really stood out to me was the writing, how it kept me going chapter after chapter. And uh, yeah, I really liked the whole dissociative identity disorder part of the story. And I agree with you. It, this is a, it was a hard book to put down and, and it almost seemed like it was meant to be read in one sitting because you didn't want to 
and it was an easy it was an easy read and I, I mean that in a positive way it was an easy read it was easy to just keep going mm-hmm. you, didn't, you didn't feel you know you didn't kind of get worn out it it just kept flowing was that yeah. was that a goal of yours Chad when you started writing it to kind of keep the story fast paced and but not too fast yeah I really like fast more fast paced stories I don't like if I'm ever personally reading I don't like it when there's a couple chapters back to back that don't really move anything forward or reveal anything new. So definitely try to outline it where every chapter added something that wasn't known in the previous one. And it kept, that was one of the reasons like uh, Nakia just mentioned, as far as revealing the dissociative identity disorder early in the first draft that I tried to write, which really didn't go good. I held that off and had it more of an halfway through even kind of third act reveal And then it really didn't work because it killed too much time at the beginning before it. And then also it was one of those things where I figured people really paying attention would guess pretty easily anyway, based on certain stuff. So I figured it would be better to reveal it right at the beginning. So that way, what would have been a big twist is just immediately said. So then it leaves more curiosity of, well, if that's already been revealed, what else is there? So I did try to have a bunch of smaller plot twists throughout it so that it would be quicker and more fast paced and easier to keep reading because that's the kind of books that I enjoy. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah, definitely. So Chad, what were your inspirations when you were writing the book? Was there certain things that inspired you for this story? I know you started at the ending and, and worked back, but were there things that inspired you or movies or other books? Um, some of the bigger for some of the bigger movies that inspired me, I really like uh I really liked like Six Sense and the prestige mm-hmm. and the movies where there's a big twist at the end that changes everything. I really loved the prestige. It was mm-hmm. actually the one where after I wrote the first draft of this book and I went back and read it, I actually watched the prestige like a week later. And I was like, I should, I should have done this way better. I can foreshadow a lot more. So I used that movie as a template. Cause like throughout it, it did a lot of things where it explicitly told what was happening without me realizing it. So I tried to use it as a template for how to foreshadow things correctly and how to set up a plot twist. And then one other thing that was big, I liked, I used Split as a reference because I really like that movie for kind of how yeah. to do two different personalities. And then that there's one episode of Batman the Animated Series, which I really like with Mr. Freeze, where it really makes you feel sorry for him. And I kind of use that as a template for hopefully how to write Vincent, or even though he's the bad guy by the end of it, you really care about him so kind of a mixture of those things i tried to use as inspirations and examples for how it had been done before so i could hopefully start somewhere and our friend lady jane books is here hey jane she said uh, the prestige is so good it's one of my favorites too mm-hmm. yeah it is a good movie i love magic so it's a good movie. me too <laughs> Have you seen Now You See Me and Now You See Me Too? Yep. I love both of those too, especially the first one. Uh-huh. I know. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I actually ended up liking, well, of course, I was like, I ended up caring about Vincent at the end um, yeah. because I couldn't imagine your life, you know, being taken away from you and you don't have a choice, which... Uh, I guess that brings up my first question. When he spoke about being in the grave, was that just kind of like, it wasn't a literal grave, right? It was just more like where he was stuck. Uh, Yeah, it wasn't a literal grave in the sense that like it was an actual grave, but it was more of the, 
in Scott's subconscious and the kind of dream world. It was he was stuck in a literal grave in the dream world, which is in sorry, in the prologue. That's what Vincent's the one who crawled out of the grave in the prologue. But yeah, it wasn't a physical grave, it was a mental one in his head, I guess. But right, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I felt for him at the end. I was kind of like, I mean, you wanted them I, I at least wanted them both to be able to live together, but I it did too. Like was, <laughs> yeah, it wasn't yeah. possible. So I felt for Vincent at the end. I was just kind of like, well, <laughs> poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a good point. Is I, I, by the end, at the very, very, you know, leading up to it, I thought Vincent was the villain. And that at the end, I said, well, you know, I, I kind of get it. Now, after we knew that you know what had really happened through through the story and he all this all this other stuff so that was that was a good touch there too i thought right right and i will say for someone uh steve knows i um am very particular about trigger warnings and all that kind of stuff and there's a lot of horror that i don't read for that reason so i was this is up there for the top for me because it didn't get too disturbing like sometimes i'm just like I get to the end of a book or I get to a part where I'm just like, why was this in here? Like, I was even like, was there, you know, I know people probably would think like, oh, there was child abuse and this is, and I was like, I didn't think it was that bad. (laughs) Which, I mean, it was bad to read it, but it wasn't to the point where it bothered me enough to where I didn't want to read it or I would tell people like, oh, don't read this book because of the, I thought you did a really good job with handling the child abuse and um, the gore was great. I loved it. Like the, the the main thing that sticks out for me is when the crows come out of the scarecrow's body cavity. I love that. I really enjoyed writing that scene because I was just I was originally just gonna have the crows land on the scarecrow, and then while I was writing, I kind of got into the scene, and I was like, no, nah, it'd be creepy if they crawled out of it, and it was like a really gross kind of like the alien from Alien coming out of the chest uh-huh. with crows. Oh, yeah. So I really liked writing that scene. So I'm glad that. You liked it. Yes. <laughs> I'm all yeah. here for the core. Yeah. <laughs> and I had, I had gotten some warnings. It, it's funny you bring that up, uh, Nikita. I got some kind of just like, hey, heads up. This is a really uh, just it can be disturbing. And so I went into it kind of prepared for the worst. And at the end, I was like, well, that's not I mean, it, I think it, it went far enough to where it wasn't right. too much. You know, mm-hmm. it wasn't it was impactful, but it wasn't over the top or unnecessary. So I thought, uh, I thought that was nice too because there was enough to make you feel it, but not enough to like turn you off on the story. Right. So was that a concern of yours, Chad? Um, yeah, kind of because I'm not I'm not a massive fan of like excessive gore. Like that's the main reason I still haven't watched the Saw movies, even though I think they sound mm-hmm. cool. It's just at certain points I feel like it gets carried away, but at the same time there are certain things in the book that from a story standpoint, I knew needed to happen. So I tried to have the more gory aspects be mentioned, but not necessarily described. Like at one point it says uh, what Vincent did to the people that took April, which was, I wanted to be really disgusting and horrifying to establish how insane Vincent was, but I also didn't want to describe it. So I kind of have them offhand mention it in an ominous way that way. And like, and the one, uh, the death of Joey, since this is full spoilers, uh, I knew that had to happen, but it, I really didn't want to describe that happening. 
So I tried to find a bloodless way for it to happen and then have it happen off screen mm-hmm. or off the page. So that way, you know what happened for the story, but it's not like, eh, I don't like reading this description. It's just, it did happen. So I tried to balance the gore where it didn't feel like I was just doing it to be excessive. Hmm. I thank you. <laughs> <laughs> So Nakia, there was there was nothing that kind of that got you close to that line that the you know the line your your line there was nothing that kind of got you too close. It was it was enough. Yeah, no, it was uh, it was just enough for me because uh, like I said, I that I got to the point where I was like maybe horror books aren't for me because the ones I was reading in the beginning were just always something disturbing that I was just like what is wrong with people that they enjoy these books so. Then I started to find the ones that were just just right for me. So uh, I would put this in that category. Like I said, it was just right. Oh, good. That's good. So do you, do you have any other notes, Nikki? Is there anything else that, that stood out to you? Um, I did have a question since you brought up um, the kidnappers part. Uh, so I guess, yeah, I'd already answered my question. Because I was left wondering, did Vincent actually kill them? Um, because I know... I'm sure you've gotten this from the people, Chad. Uh, people were wondering, I saw this on Goodreads, like, how is it that Vincent could kill the kidnappers and nothing happened to, why am I drawing a blank? What is the main character's name again? Scott. Scott. Yeah. So, yeah, how could Vincent kill the kidnappers but nothing happened to Scott? Because I know it was basically like people knew his back, his history, but still you would have to stand trial and all that kind of stuff. Uh yeah, I, I thought about that too. I included a line in the, um, I can't remember the exact number of the chapter. I think it's 19, but I'm not 100% sure on that. It's it's the scene where Scott's discussing with Dr. Freeman about getting rid of Vincent. I, I included a line where after Scott told him about Vincent killing the people, Scott made a comment like, you know how smart Vincent is. He could have killed you right here and somehow gotten away with it to try to set up the fact that Vincent was smart enough. He could have, he killed the people, but no one would know or be able to prove that he did it to kind of explain why nothing happened to Scott. But. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then since you brought up uh, Dr. Freeman, uh, did you have in your mind what kind of procedure he did to get rid of Vincent? Because I know that's another question I saw people bring up on good reason. I was also curious, like, well, what, could somebody do? I mean, I don't know if there's like a regression therapy or something like that for people with multiple personalities. Um, yeah, that's that's one of the things where the the way I use the split personalities in the book isn't remotely realistic, aside from a few of the basic traits. And I knew that I'd have to have a. I knew that I wanted one personality to make the other one kill himself in his head, so that took a lot of planning to figure out what I would have to tweet to the mental illness to make a story where that could happen. So the procedure that the doctor did isn't something. Thanks. <laughs> he kind of liked sweater. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. So the procedure that the doctor did isn't something that would actually be done because the main, the way the personality it happens, isn't something that was actually done. So I didn't want to go into a lot of detail about what it specifically was since it wasn't realistic and didn't have a massive impact on the story. So I kind of I kind of left that vague on purpose because there was purposely no the DID was purposely unrealistic. 
So things like that, that were just created for this story, I tried to not be extremely specific about. Okay. It was realistic question. to me, so. <laughs> 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 it worked for me. I thought it was realistic, but hey. I thought you handled it really well. Even for to deal with mental illness as a topic, it was handled really well with um, taking into account both sides. Um, I'm someone who not myself deals with mental illness, but there's a lot of men mental illness in my family. So I do know what it's like to be on the other side of the family dealing with someone with mental illness. And I thought you did a really good job handling that. Thank you. Yeah. No, and yeah, what made you want point. to, oh, I'm sorry, Steve. No, that was, that's a good point you brought up. Uh, yeah, what made you want to tackle mental illness for your first book? Uh, it was kind of a, it was basically what happened from the ending. I've always loved the plot twist where it was all a dream at the end, but most people really don't like it and kind of make fun <laughs> of that plot twist. And I've always thought it could be really cool, but I thought the one thing that had to change was if when it's revealed everything was a dream, there has to have been real stakes to it beyond the character learns something on the journey. So I was like, well, the only way I can add stakes to it is if the character can die in the dream. Mm -hmm. But then I wanted to add where there's an antagonist within the dream creating stuff and do a more outlandish horror elements from a slightly more grounded, it's in a in his head at the end. So I knew I needed to do a split personality to do that and have both of them kind of at war with one another. And then just from that, I went with the mental illness aspect of it and it kind of worked from there. Cause I didn't want to be like another personality possessing him or something. I wanted to keep it more grounded. It's funny, actually the one scene where he goes to the library and finds the book about demonic possession. Yeah. I really hate it in movies where the whole mystery thing is solved by them going to a library and finding a random old witchcraft book. <laughs> but I knew I needed, I knew Vincent needed another explanation beyond the hospital one for Scott to think is the real thing so that Scott would be convinced he had to kill himself. And the only thing I could think of was to do the more generic witchcraft book, even though I really did. I was afraid that some people would read that and go, oh, this is dumb, and then quit reading at that moment because they thought that was going to be how I tied everything up. But, yeah, that was one of those where I'm not a massive fan of the trope, but I tried to use it to hide some of the other stuff I was trying to do. <laughs> Hey, I'm here for the all a dream thing if it's done well, but I understand people would get annoyed. Uh, yeah. Um, and I thought when they, he found the book, um, I was like, oh, where are we going now? Because again, it was just like, what is going on? I, every turn, it was like, you could have taken it anywhere and I would have been like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, Chad, I was surprised of your, how young you are when this book came out. I was really impressed with, with the book mm -hmm. considering your age. When did you start writing and kind of get serious about about publishing? Um, again, uh, I mentioned earlier I had uh, you know a few ideas for books, and I've always really liked books. I didn't I used to read them a lot back before I was homeschooled, and then I kind of didn't read as much for a few years, and I've started back recently. But I've always really liked movies and stories and just any kind of thing. So I had some ideas, but I never really thought I would write them. It wasn't until I really started writing. Even when I wrote the first draft of Nightmare, I was just kind of doing it just to see. It wasn't until I wrote the second draft and really, because I wrote the first one just kind of in some spare time, not putting a lot of 
like I was putting effort into it, but like I wasn't really paying attention and focusing. When I did the second draft, I really spent a lot of time outlining, planning, would set aside like entire days just to write chapters. So it wasn't until then. And then when I re I never like what I'm writing when I'm writing it and I'll go back and read it right after I'm done and be like, this is just terrible. But a couple weeks after I wrote nightmare, I printed it all out and just read it straight through in that. And I was like, this isn't that bad. So then I edited it some more, but it was at that point where I was like, I actually started doing a lot of research about how I could actually publish it because I knew it was something I wanted to do, but it wasn't something I had always planned on doing. So I had to do a lot of research in a short amount of time and it was pretty overwhelming. Well, yeah. bravo. Yeah. It was well done. Yeah. yeah. I'm always wondering. So when you say you outline, um, do you have like post-its or index cards? Is it all on the computer? Uh, what I do, I'm always kind of thinking about the stories I'm trying to write in my head. Like I've got, whenever I have an idea, I just kind of think about it some and I go back and forth, which ones I'm thinking about. Whenever I have a good idea for a book, I write it in the notes app on my phone and then I just kind of keep it there. And then whenever I pick a specific idea for Nightmare, I actually, Nightmare, I use post-it notes. I wrote every different idea for a scene on post-it notes and then arranged them all on a cabinet table. Wow. It, it, it worked, but it was really difficult. After Nightmare, I bought a big whiteboard that's Ooh. like five by five and I can flip it over. And it is so much easier because I can just write stuff, draw little timelines, erase stuff, flip it over. So the post-it notes worked good. And like for not having the whiteboard, they were about the best I thought I could have done. But now that I have the whiteboard, I can just write out a bunch of little squares and draw how they connect. I like it a lot better. <laughs> so were the, were the post-it notes an inspiration for the post-it notes on the story? Was that where it came from? I think that is because I knew he needed to leave some message. And I think it was when I was using the post-it notes that it dawned on me. I should just have it be a post-it note because that's something <laughs> common that everyone could have. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That's funny. <laughs> um, I remembered another question I had about the story. Uh, so when he had the car accident, that was basically when Vincent got a chance to take over, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Like I said, I had to go back and reread because I was like, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> what did I miss? What part? When did this happen? Because the way you wrote it was very, um, it wasn't so uh, in your, it wasn't explained fully. So I was like, huh? Then like, yeah. I kind of like, struggled with that because on the one hand, I, it had, I like it when movies explain everything at the end. But then I also don't like it when it's like 10 pages of just saying every single clue that happened earlier. So I tried to find a balance where it explained what happened in a way that you it could kind of be understood, but it also didn't go back and list every... Because if they go back and list every single moment of foreshadowing, I'm always just sitting there thinking they don't need to list all of it. Yeah. So it was a weird balance. And I was even at the final version... I still wondered if I should have added a little more and tied a few things up where it's a little clearer, but then I also didn't want to do too much. So it was just several pages of reading what already happened again. So that was one of the things that I struggled with, even with the final version, because 
Because, like, it's one of those things that's hard to know. Because, like, when I read it, it makes it's a perfect explanation for me. But I also wrote and planned everything. So I don't know. It's hard to tell how someone who's reading it for the first time is going to process the reveals. Because it's just so many things you can kind of plan on. Because, like, I really like reading books and trying to figure out where they're going to go. Um, I really like guessing plot twists before they happen. So I can kind of judge how to do reveals on that, but then the end explanation is something that I really wasn't sure exactly how to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I like that I had to go back and reread it uh, and be like, oh, like I said, I, had to re- I think I reread it twice when he explained what happened. And then I was like, oh, okay. Steve, what did you think was the twist, or did you have any guesses? I I didn't see the twist coming. I I thought when when he started finding the books, I thought it was going to go that way, and I, I'd be fine with it if it was a, a demonic thing. I thought it was like a possession mm-hmm. or something. What really threw me off is when Vincent started killing everybody towards the end. <laughs> I know. And then I and then I thought, okay, what is going on? Like, what, what's what's going to happen? Because this can't be. But I I. I had no clue where it was going or what was going to happen, and I, every time I thought I might have a have a idea, it would something would happen and throw me off. And you know, when Vincent killed the uh, the therapist, and you know, everybody starts dying, and and uh, especially when when uh, Scott finds the dog, I thought, okay, well, it's Scott um, doing everything, but he yeah. just he's he's doing it in his sleep, or he's he's a uh, he's like a insomnia thing where he's he can't sleep and he's doing things he doesn't remember Mm. but like i said when when other people started seeing vincent and they recognized him that's when i was like what is what is going on (laughs) (laughs) what what the heck is happening Mm -hmm. yeah yeah with some of the stuff like he said the dog and he thought scott was doing it Certain stuff like that, I tried to, when I was writing it, I was like, what would I think would be happening at this exact moment? And when Vincent did the, when uh, the dog was dead, I was like, well, if I was reading this, I would think that Scott's doing it and not realizing it. And I was like, so I'll let, I was like, I'll let that be what people think for a couple chapters. And then that's why I was like, and then that's why I wrote the scene where the kids saw Vincent too, because then that would throw me off. Mm -hmm. And then like also when Tommy killed the girl, I thought for a second, I was like, well, people might think Tommy inherited it from his father. So I tried to play that as it might be a reveal. I tried to mm-hmm. use everything that I would have thought would have been a reveal and kind mm-hmm. of leave that maybe be the answer for a couple chapters. So that by the end of it, like with the Scott thing, one of the big issues to Scott doing it was the fact that he was never sleeping. So when would he have been blacking out? And I had him never sleep because I wanted to set up that this whole thing was a dream. And I was going on through the assumption that you couldn't fall back asleep once you're already in a dream. So I tried to find a way to hide that and make it mean something else. So I tried to have them reference it to the fact that Scott couldn't be blacking out. But I tried to play with that and I was hoping it worked okay. Yeah. You got me. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, I, I, my, my whole time, because of the therapist, I just knew there was something going on with things not being what they were supposed to be like something wasn't there in his mind that's where I was going with it but I thought for a minute Dr. Freeman was the kidnapper because I don't know if you did this on purpose but when he was in his therapy session and he said something like 
Oh, when he was blaming himself and it was like, it's my fault. I treated him. And I was like, oh, well, maybe uh, Scott's not there. Scott's in Dr. Freeman's mind. It's him trying to deal with being a kidnapper or something. That was one of the things. And then later when Dr. Freeman died, I was like, okay, I was wrong. <laughs> then, <laughs> like, one... <laughs> oh, sorry, go ahead, Jeanette. That one never actually occurred to me, but that would have been a crazy plot twist. <laughs> I kind of wish I'd thought of this. <laughs> I always go further than the story goes, and I'll be like, okay, I put too much into it. But uh, the other thing was when Steve said, when everybody started dying, starting with Dr. Freeman, I was like, okay, well, then I thought everybody was in Scott's mind. I thought the kids weren't real, the wife wasn't real, none of it was real. But then, like you said, when you started talking more about Vincent and him having a his own life and uh, the wife knowing him and being okay with him. Then that's when I was like, okay, well now I don't know what's going on. But I still was like, somebody's not real in this story. I didn't think it was, um, yeah, I just thought somebody wasn't real. I thought one of the kids, like maybe the daughter, uh, forget uh, the, the one that was in the cage at the end. But uh, yeah, okay. I thought maybe she wasn't real. I was like, somebody's not real. <laughs> yeah. Another thing I thought might be is I thought maybe he was he was being manipulated by uh, Dr. Freeman to think that he was being used as like a weapon, for like a like a sick uh, like a project. He was being manipulated by Dr. Freeman, so I thought maybe he's he's like he's being uh, Dr. Freeman is like the puppet master and he's using Scott to do he's having him do things and just kind of uh, playing with his mind. Or another thing I thought was maybe he's dead and he's. Uh, this is his purgatory. This is his, you know, he's being punished. So that maybe he's just stuck in this loop and it keeps happening over and over again. Kind of like, uh, I forget what movie it was recently that came out, but you, everything just keeps happening in the circle over and over again because uh, he would re remember things that uh, no one else would or he, he would pictures. And the pictures, those threw me off too because they would talk about the pictures and he didn't remember things and Right. So that's another one that really, really made me wonder, okay, what's, what's happening here? Yeah, that brings up a question. What was the deal with Scott seeing things and it being different? Like, what, why, why are those pictures there? Or like Steve said, why, what happened to the, whatever picture he remembered? What was the significance of that? Uh, well, with that, I tried to, it was me trying to foreshadow it was a dream. So with the twist at the end vincent was the one who has ended up creating everything scott was seeing in an effort to get scott oh. to kill himself so things like the that's why there's no pictures of joey because vincent would have no idea what the pictures of joey looked like so vincent just had to get rid of them the kids seemed a little different because vincent hadn't seen them in seven years so he was doing the best he could and that's why i tried to set up that vincent had the photographic memory and he could draw the perfect pictures to explain know, right? why it was so close, but still slightly off. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. You're just trying to raise my rating, aren't you? I haven't rated it yet on Goodreads because I was like, I don't want to spoil it for the uh, the book discussion, but mm, oh, okay. I like that. Okay. Wow. <laughs> Give me something else to think about. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Wow. My favorite piece of foreshadowing, actually, in the whole book was when, uh, well, I liked it when Vincent screamed, this is your nightmare, because it was, and I liked the, I wanted to name the whole book Nightmare, 
because it was all a dream because I wanted to put mm-hmm. it in the title. But my favorite specific spot of foreshadowing was in chapter seven, I think. I could be wrong on the chapter. No, it's seven. Right after, uh, right before he finds the dog that's dead, he hears, before he sees the dog, he hears May saying, please wake up. And she's mm-hmm. crying, please wake up. And then she says, please wake up, dad. And then someone else cuts her off. And I was trying to set up in another section that Scott was hearing things from like the real life. So I'd intended that to be May actually saying, please wake up, dad. And then Vincent changed it real quick to it being the dog whose name happened to start with D.A. And then in the next paragraph, Scott says, Vincent's always, Scott said that Dakota, the dog was always good for distract from distracting you with, from what was really wrong. So I like, I want, I tried to what, put a character saying, wake up in there without it being obvious. So I, I really liked every time I read that one detail, that's the one spot I'm really proud of. Cause I wanted to have, I wanted a character to hear wake up mm-hmm. and see if I could set that up. Wow. This is definitely a book you have to go back and reread, which is a good thing. Um, yeah. Cause when I got to the end, I was like, all right, I'm going to have to go back and reread this. Cause especially the chapters where you were saying it. You know, the whole time it was it, it. I was getting a little fresher. I was like, what is this it? What is this? <laughs> and then when it got to the, you know, the end when that was revealed, I was like, oh, well, now I have to go back and read that differently because as I said, when I was reading, I was getting frustrated because I didn't, I wanted to know what it was. I was just like, okay, this whole time we've been through Scott's perspective and then we even get the flashback, you know, of him being kidnapped. And then all of a sudden we get this chapter of it. And I was just like, what is this? I don't know what we're talking about, who we're talking about. <laughs> but even that was well done. Cause like I said, I was like, Oh, okay. I get it now. Yeah. Cause you mentioned chat about the, about when they were saying, wake up, wake up. I thought she was trying to say, wake up Dakota. And I didn't catch the wake up dad part. I didn't even catch that. Mm-mm. But it's like Nikia said, you, you catch all those things and you can, you have to go back and reread and catch that. And mm-hmm. That's one of the, I, I, would, I didn't catch that even when I went back and tried to find stuff that I missed. Exactly. Yeah. There's a lot, I'm sure. I'll have to. Yeah. Which, that's a, you can continue. Oh, no. I was just going to say, I like that you're a fan of movies with twists because that shows that you were always a step ahead of us as the readers, because I'm also a fan of those kind of, have you seen Fractured? Yep. Okay. I call it the twist. Yeah, so I'm also a fan of books or movies that have a twist. I haven't, I mean, like I said, this is one of the few that I've read that I actually liked, because um, usually, I read a lot of thrillers and mysteries, so usually when I get to the twist in, I'm always like, okay. I, I guess I'll go with that, but like I said, I like that this one was smart. That I, like I said, I had to go back and reread it. That I was thinking about it days later, thinking about Vincent, thinking about Scott. <laughs> yeah, I'm the same way as far as really liking things with plot twists, but I'm also extremely picky about it. Like, mm-hmm. I'll want a book to have a twist, but if it does it in a way that irritates me, or a way that I think, like, there's a lot of the older detective movies that came out like the 90s, early 2000s, they'll have an extremely bad habit about making a mass, doing a massive twist reveal of the killer but it's always a character that we've seen for like 30 seconds who mm. I couldn't call off his name and they had no motivation. 
and then mm. they do a whole thing where they give the characters motivation afterwards mm. that that can ruin a movie that i was liking like it if it doesn't need the twist and you can't foreshadow it just don't have the twist right so that's one of the things that like that was again in the first draft there was some foreshadowing for the twist of nightmare but not as much and then i rewatched the prestige again and realized how much there was in that movie that I didn't see. I've seen that movie like five times, and every time I see something else, yeah. and I really wanted to put, I wanted to try to put so much that if it was reread, people would see things that they didn't the first time because that's my favorite type of thing. Mm -hmm. So I knew if I was going to write a twist, I needed to, at the very least, not do the things that irritated me. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was very clear. Thank you. <laughs> so, Chad, did you have people read the book before you, uh, before you went before you know, kind of like a like a test run, like beta readers? Did you have people read it? Mm -hmm. Um, I had a few, not as many as some authors do. I don't think because a lot of authors, I think, get a massive group of beta readers. I mainly had my two older brothers and then my mom and my dad, because they really like the same type of books and movies that I do. They have almost the same taste. So I knew that, and they're also good like me with pointing out little flaws and plot twists and stuff and plot holes. So I let them all read it to see what they thought. And then I fi I figured if they liked it, even though it's hard to 100% know when someone that you specifically know reads a book, if they like it because it was good or if they liked it just because you wrote it. Right. But, when they, but when they liked it and when all their notes was kind of saying the same stuff that I tried to do, I then figured... I figured since they had the same taste as I did, they were the best beta readers for the book. So I just kind of, I tried to trust my own judgment for the outline and then their kind of feedback on the writing itself and then give it a shot. I was really nervous that it would come out and everyone would hate it. <laughs> <laughs> no. No. Yeah, for, you know, it to come out and you self-published, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, it got around quick. The word spread because that's how I found out about it through people talking about it here on BookTube. And I was just like, what is this? Because I mean, I have plenty of books on my list to read. And this one just got bumped up quick because yeah. I, you know, Steve and I, we were chatting in the comments of somebody else's video. And I was like, you want to do a buddy read? Because I was just like, I got to read this book. I keep hearing about it. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of the booktubers were so nice about doing reviews for it and everything. So the whole booktube community is just like really great. And it's really, it's a great community for things. Speaking of uh, the booktube community, I want to say congratulations to Nakia for hitting 3,000 subscribers. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> really happy for you. Like you said, the booktube community has been so nice. I just jumped in, really jumped in. I just was like, I watched a couple videos and I was like, uh, I want to start making videos. And I just did, read a book and was like, I'll review it. And then uh, I made the wee mistake of I wasn't making my videos viewable in the feed. And in the very beginning, I was like, why isn't anyone watching my videos? And then one day I went to go post and I was like, oh, I had unchecked that box. <laughs> and it was like once I took that check mark off then I was just getting the views and the comments and everything and I was just like wow like I said I'm I'm very thankful and uh, like you said the especially the horror books community I'm in the thriller one too and trying to dip my toe in sci-fi and I know Steve you read a lot of different genres so uh, but I, to me the horror books community because it's just so small it's just great 
So speaking of reviews, Chad, how much do reviews help as far as getting uh, even not only on, on YouTube, but also like on Goodreads or Amazon? Do, do those how much do those help get the word out for you as an author? They help a lot. Like that's pretty much because I'm trying. I'm always trying to figure out new ways to market it. But so far, reviews, especially reviews on YouTube and things, have been the main thing. That and BookBub have been the main thing that's got me the most sales and the most people talking about the book. So yeah, they're extremely helpful. Well, you you got you got me because I had the, my paper copy and I had to go to work and I thought, well, I, I have to, I can't not stop reading so i have to buy the kindle version so i bought the kindle version so i could take it with me to work uh-huh well, i couldn't stop I, yeah i couldn't stop because uh, i was kept thinking about it and kept trying to figure it out so i didn't want to put it down mm-hmm. yeah because that was steve's comment he had started reading it before me and he said like oh i can't put it down i was like okay <laughs> and i was like i doubt it's all and then like he said it's so <laughs> I read it pretty quickly for me because I usually do a lot of my reading during the week, but those are like little snippets that I can fit in here and there. And then I get the majority done over the weekend, but I did read a lot during the week because I just, like you said, I couldn't put it down. Couldn't stop reading it. It seems like, I think we mentioned earlier, but it seems like it's a book you can just read cover to cover and not notice that you're doing it because it just... There's not a lot of um, not a lot of fat on that bone. It's it's pretty pretty full. It's not, mm-hmm. not a lot of waste. There's not a lot of waste of time or um, the plot twists aren't because of um, extra useless stuff. It's it's all important, but it's to the story. But it's not just to throw you off. So I thought that was that was good too about it. Yeah, I think yeah. If I'm ever reading a book and there's, I'm sorry. Uh, if I'm reading a book and like I read it and I really liked it, but there are several times where there was like four or five pages of descriptions. And if I'm ever reading a book and it just goes into a couple pages of like the chair was green and then starts describing it, I'm always sitting there thinking, is the chair being green going to come back later? Because if not, I know, I know. Why, am I, why am I reading it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say that to me, if it's, that is one of my criticisms of a couple of books I've read. They are just overly descriptive. And I'm like you, I'm thinking if it's mentioned, it's important. And then yep. later it's like, so why did you go on for four or five pages describing their whole breakfast and what they ate and did, it wasn't important. It's not needed. Yep. So yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah. And uh, Raul hates that too, just to comment here. <laughs> <laughs> I had another comment that I forgot. I'm sorry. Don't remember it now. So, Chad, after you had your family read the book, did you get any strange looks? Did anyone kind of wonder? Did they ask you, are you, are you okay? Was Did anyone get uh, <laughs> nervous around you? I'm sure. Uh, not really. My Especially my mother's really into horror movies already, cool. so she thought it was cool. And then... No, my my family's pretty comfortable with me, I guess. They gave me a hard time about it in a few spots about murdering children, but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, no, no not too strange of looks. Nice. I Thank read my comment now. I was gonna say the story; it just had a lot of heart, and I'm realizing because I'm like just getting back into reading after like ten, maybe more years off. So 
I'm discovering what I do like and what I don't like. And one of the things I'm realizing is that I do like stories with hearts and that I care about the characters because that's sometimes that's why I DNF books. I just DNF two this month because I didn't care about the characters. And that's a big part for me. If I don't care what's going to happen to you, I'm just reading to be reading. So like I said, it had a lot of heart because I ended up caring about Scott and and then later, you did a really good job making me care about Vincent, because at first it was like, okay, who's this? Why should I care about you? <laughs> but then when you, you know, the fact that, like I said, he was killed and he didn't get to experience, you know, he got a taste of being a father and a husband, and then that was taken away from him. I was just like, oh, man. And then as a mom, I couldn't imagine if something happened to my child. I'd probably killed them too, so... <laughs> I could relate to that too. So like I said, I really, like I said, I understood his motivations and everything. So um, I'm one of those people where I know sometimes the villain of the story, people will be like, oh, I didn't like them at first. And I'm like, it was probably only a little small part that, you know, where I didn't like Vincent. And then that was quickly turned around. And then it was just like, oh, well, dang, I feel so bad for him. Yeah. So again, the heart was there. I loved it. Yeah. And to that point, I, I think you really felt for Scott, the way his parents reacted after, uh, you know, like during the, th- when he, he started going to get ther- uh, therapy and he started mm-hmm. seeing Dr. Freeman, mm-hmm. I thought that was probably what a lot of parents, what their reaction is to something like that is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you'd say denial, but they weren't very supportive of the whole process. Of, uh, so I, I wonder, was that was that on purpose to not make them very likable, Chad, to the parents? Yeah, Scott's parents were just the worst people. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually the one character that I wish I could have wrote in a death scene for, because they were just like, <laughs> which that's bad to say, but but like some of the characters didn't deserve it. But his parents were terrible. Yeah, they weren't nice to Scott, and then they were just like locking Vincent in the room, not feeding him that kind of stuff. They were just. I wanted to make sure. I wanted to set up that Vincent meeting Karen was like the first time that he was happy. So I wanted to make his past as sad as possible. So I purposely made the parents as horrible people as they possibly could have been to Mm -hmm. the point of where it was almost too much. So yeah, that was definitely on purpose to make them extremely unlikable. Yeah. 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 I think I partially understood where they were coming from, but I'm also no, as a as a mom, I wouldn't necessarily be that mean about it. Like the mom, I was just like, "What's wrong with you?" Like, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I, I kind of understood because it's like whatever's going on with him, fix it. But at the same time, I was like, "Where is the compassion? Where is the, you know?" My whole thing is, I would want to understand why did what did my child go through? I would want to know, and what can I do? Not just whatever it is. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to know. Especially after something so, uh, something so traumatic that happened. I mean, because what he went through is awful. So their reaction is just makes everything worse. Not, you know, knowing mm-hmm. that they're not supporting him and yeah, yeah, that, yeah it's really, really terrible. Yeah. Uh, did Did you worry about going too far with that, Chad? With uh, him being locked up and the way that he was tortured, was there was there any uh, concern with going too far there with what happened to him? Not really. The The one spot in the book that I was really concerned with going too far was, again, 
uh, what happened to Joey. Because doing kids is doing killing off kids is one thing, but Joey I thought was a step farther. So I really paid a lot of attention. And again, I wanted Joey there. I almost considered taking Joey out just because I knew I knew at the end I wanted it Scott, Vincent, and April, and everyone else would have to die by that point. And I almost took Joey out, but I really wanted Joey to be there. So it was another thing of foreshadowing, because like even when Scott when Scott first gets home, Joey's not there until Scott freaks out and says, where's Joey? Mm. And then Vincent just has to have them, just like the dog, Vincent had the dog there when the dog had ran away, and then Vincent didn't have Joey there because Vincent wouldn't know that he was, so Scott had to bring it up first. So I wanted that extra bit of foreshadowing, and I knew that to do that it had to be a baby, but I really didn't want to have to write a scene for it. So I put a lot of effort into making it kind of buried off the page. But after I had done that and knew I was going to have to do that, things like torturing Scott wasn't as big of a deal because I felt like if people could get behind Joey's death, the, the other part of it would be okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was like once that line was crossed, I was like, eh, everything except everything except that will definitely be fine then. So. <laughs> So why did you choose crows and scarecrow? Uh, I did the scarecrow because I don't know. I cannot remember what gave me the idea for the scarecrow, but I had the idea to have the therapist and the one that Scott kept trying to get a hold of be dead as the scarecrow where Scott passes him every day, but then doesn't realize it's him until he's moved and it's a reveal. And I really like the imagery that a scarecrow has. So I wanted that to be incorporated. So, and like things like this therapist having a brown coat, like the scarecrow had a brown coat and the hat and everything. I wanted to set that up too. So I really, I really liked, I really wanted to have it in chapter eight where it being the scarecrow, then he takes off the mask and sees the therapist. I don't can't remember what gave me that idea, but as soon as it did, I knew I was going to have to do it. And on the crows in the first draft, there weren't, there's only one crow when I was at the very beginning but then when I was going back through it, I was like, well, Vincent and Scott would need something extra scary and something to symbolize the horror rather than just the dude who abducted them. I'll make it be crows that tortured them because I already had the scarecrow. And then I realized that I could make it where Scott says he dreams about the crows. So that way I could put the crows in the uh, whole book to foreshadow that Scott says he dreams about crows crows are everywhere and they look unrealistic so therefore it's all a dream and once I realized I could use crows to foreshadow it I decided to have them into a lot more scenes and even then they ended up being in more scenes than I had originally planned but it was just I was writing so many scenes and I'd just be like you know crows would work really well here so I would add them and they'd be like well they're almost in every chapter but they're <laughs> cool so yeah. yeah 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 I like how the crows were Scott's uh, nightmare, and then there was the blood for Vincent. So whenever yeah. Scott saw blood, that was Vincent, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got that. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy how much is packed into such a relatively small book. It, you managed to pack a lot of not only twists and turns, but just information and little mm -hmm. uh, little clues here and there. Yeah. Thank you. I'm sorry. I just said thank you. <laughs> Are you working on something else? Uh, yeah, I just finished. Uh, I sent a draft of my second novel to my copy editor a couple 
about a month or two ago. And then she finished the copy edit for that. And I actually just got the proofread copy back from her a week ago. So I'll look over it one or two more times and then hopefully have it up to pre-order in a month or two. Oh, it's wow. going to be called, uh, it's going to be called Shade. And it's a part crime thriller, part action thriller. It takes place in two different timelines and they chat and the chapters cross, cross cut between the two. One chapter's past, one chapter's present, which was extremely hard to outline especially the end chapters because something changes with the end chapters that was very difficult to outline and make be cohesive at all. But yeah, the past chapters are more of detectives hunting for a serial killer. The present chapters are a little more horror action oriented. So I really liked combining those two genres. So I'm really excited for it. There are several things in it that I thought turned out well, and it was actually my first idea. And it's a little bit longer. It's about an extra 10, 13,000 words, the nightmare. So I'm excited for it. Oh, well, I'm excited now, too. <laughs> so, 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 Chad, if, if uh, Nikki and I read this, your next book, would you be willing to come back and chat about it when it gets released? Absolutely. Right on. What do you think, Nikki? Are you, would you be up for that? Of course. Like he said, you put horror and thriller and crime because I love detective stories, too. So like you. So, yes, that sounds good. Now, I will let you know, I'm very particular about these dual timeline stories. They just have to be done right. My only thing is just like sometimes the author does not make it clear whose point of view we're reading or which time we're jumping in between. So I trust that was Zach. I have the exact same feeling about it. So I actually, I'll go and mention it now because of certain things that happen later. All present chapters are written in normal font and all flashback chapters or past chapters are written in italics. Right. And I thought that gave them a distinct feel. And then certain things happen later where that's really necessary. So the, my editor actually did warn me that some people don't like whole sections written in italics. So I really debated not doing it, but I just... For some of the stuff that I do, I really think it works better. So that I think that helps distinguish the two. So still may not like the book, but the two timelines will hopefully be clear. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I trust you. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, you earned my trust. So mm -hmm. and I, I did promise Leslie from the Nerdy Narrative to ask you about that. So I'm glad Nakia brought it up about your new, uh, the next book you have uh, that you're working on. She's really excited about it. She's traveling, so she wasn't able to make it today. But yeah, she wanted me to. She made me promise to ask you about your new, your new book. Yeah, Leslie's super nice. Yeah, she's really friendly. Yeah. Yeah. So let us know when when that's. Or we'll we'll keep our eyes peeled, but let us know, and we'll you know if you're willing to, we'd love to come back and chat about it. And, and uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So okay. uh, when you mentioned the uh, a crime uh, story, a serial killer that jumps back and forth in time, just out of curiosity, the first thing that came to my mind is the first season of True Detective. Was that, is that Ooh. something that you've seen before? I haven't, I've heard about True Detective, but I've never watched it. Uh, the thing I used as the baseless, basis for the two timelines, even though the story itself isn't at all similar, was um, Arrow, the first couple seasons of the TV show Arrow. I'm really into everything superhero related, so massive nerd. That's but, uh, why I so I used it to kind of, it's kind of what gave, it's even in Nightmare, the flashback chapters in Nightmare, I had the idea to do them because of Arrow. 
I mm -hmm. knew I needed some way to give Vincent more screen time, but I knew in the plot of the book I couldn't. So I was like, well, Arrow uses flashbacks to explain things. I can use a few flashback chapters to explain something in Nightmare. And then when I was writing Shade, I was just writing the present timeline. And I was like, this really, I was outlining it. I was like, this really doesn't work because it has none of the history that built up to this. I was like, I should just do an entire separate timeline. And originally it was just going to be a few chapters, but then by the end of it, it's two complete stories that just are told through the, through the same time. So I, I was really excited to do the two different timelines. But again, it was super hard to outline, but uh, hopefully it worked out well. Yeah. And the first few seasons of Arrow were actually pretty good. It, it went downhill after four or five seasons, yeah. but... Yeah, one, two, and five were good. Yeah, the first few were, were watchable, but then it got, got kind of rough. Yeah. <laughs> even even my kids are you know who are into everything superhero stuff they're kind of like okay this is enough like uh -huh. let's something else yeah i loved seasons one and two and i also really loved season five and i thought the last season season eight was good hmm. but yeah three and especially four and then six and seven they kind of it had been on a while and it started going downhill a little but i still really i liked all the shows just because i really liked the characters and everything but yeah. So if anybody watching has questions for Chad, be sure and, and get them in before we uh, before we wrap up. Yeah. Uh, I like your Mickey Mouse shirt. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I have to see, do I have any other questions before we... Yeah. Uh, let's see. I think I got my questions in. Because when I knew you may come on, I was like, well, let me have some questions just in case. But yeah, um, I think I got my three my three main questions in. Um, who did the artwork? Was that? Uh, Miblart did. They're a cover artist company that I found. Uh, yeah, they did. I kind of said what I wanted, a crow on the front. I wanted two main colors aside from the title. I wanted little cracks to kind of be the cracks in the mirror and the cracks on the windshield. So, oh, okay. so, oh. so, yeah, and I thought they, I thought they did a great job. And then all the interior artwork too, like uh, the little details above the chapters. And then in chapter eight, when Vincent's name is said for the first time, I left a call. I was like, when they was doing the formatting, I was like, could y'all add a little different font to Vincent's name to kind of make it creepy? And they added that massive scratched word Vincent. And it was just... I thought it was awesome and it was way better than I'd expected. So yeah, Miblar did a great job. They're super nice. Hmm. Yeah, they did. I loved all the feathers and the birds and the trees. I loved it. Yeah. And uh, Mazda Booktuber uh, commented, if, if outlining a book is hard, imagine adding a dual timeline. So how much more time does that add to your, to your editing process to have the dual timelines? Uh, it doesn't add a lot more to editing because uh, it's just the extra chapters, but there's not a significant difference. Mm -hmm. The main thing is writing it and outlining it the first time because oh. the main issue I found was if it wasn't that it, this new book also has plot twists and reveals, the issue is certain things happen in the first timeline and I had to find ways to hide them from being explicitly mentioned in the present timeline. 
because I didn't want the reveal of the past timeline to be ruined by chapter one of the present. So having to figure out how characters could talk about the events and then go from there made it difficult. And it also made keeping the pacing consistent difficult because I had to, and the way the characters thought, I had to go from writing a character one way to a character a slightly different way because in the past their personality changes because of what happens. So that was, that required more editing because I had to go back and after I wrote it, I then went back and edited it chronologically one time to make sure the character's thoughts grew throughout the actual story and didn't correlate with the two different timelines, but. Interesting. Uh, Raul did have a question for you. The feedback you received from Nightmare, did it help you write your second book or did it make you second guess yourself? Hmm. Uh, I don't, it didn't make me second guess myself as much. The one thing I will say that the feedback was good on, a lot of people commented on Nightmare that they really liked the story and really liked the plot twist, but some of them mentioned that in the first couple chapters, the writing wasn't terrible or anything, but like the prose wasn't as experienced as fancy as it could have been. And I, I think one part of that's due to the fact that I hadn't wrote a lot before, and when editing, I didn't no ex I, I didn't have experience editing before so for this book because i knew that was something that i struggled with and something i could definitely improve on i spent a lot of extra time and i did a whole extra couple rounds of edits where i just looked at what was already written and tried to write it in a better way vary how the sentences are structured add more description to things not description that doesn't come back into play but like describe things give it more of a setting and i feel like I feel like regardless of the story and stuff, my prose and writing, I definitely, I definitely worked really hard to improve it and make sure that it was getting better and was something that more flowed a lot more. And I asked my editor to look out for it and point out stuff like that too. So that feedback definitely helped because I think it showed me what I could work on. Hmm. Well, for, for your first book, I mean, I'm, I'm impressed. That's a really great job. Yes. You're clearly naturally talented. Yeah. For sure. Thank you. So, um, Maza Booktuber mentioned The Crow gives me Randall Flag vibes. His Stephen King's most famous antagonist. And he's my favorite. So, the cover is fire. Ah. That's good. Yeah, that's a good point. And the, the cover is really, um, it's simple, but I didn't, I didn't even catch the windshield cracks. No, on the cover. I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, he did have a question. Uh, do you ever come across writer's block? And if so, what do you do to break free of it, of the block? Uh, writer's block happens a lot more if I haven't detailed, outlined what I'm about to write. If I, sometimes, uh, I'm, I'm really specific. I outline almost everything, even to the point of what conversations characters will have and when. But every once in a while, there'll be a chapter where I don't outline as much, and those are always... When I get to him, I immediately regret not outlining because I'll just sit there for 10 minutes and be like, what what sentence goes next? What should they do here? But there are some days where I, it's kind of like, some days I wake up and it's like, when I start writing, I'm, I'm really feeling good about it and I feel like it's going good. Other days I can sit and stare at the thing for like three hours and get nothing written. But there's... <laughs> There, the only thing sometimes I'll do, if, if I've stared at for a while and I haven't been able to do anything, sometimes I'll kind of get up from writing for 10, 15 minutes, listen to some music, 
just kind of think about the story and not on what the next sense is and then sit back down. But typically I, if I'm having trouble, I just try to keep writing and write something anyway. And then just later on that week, go back and edit it and go from there. Is there any type of music that you listen to to kind of get the, the juices flowing? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it depends. It depends on what kind of scene I'm writing. I try to kind of pair it a little like, uh, for example, I'm writing a, uh, my third book's going to be a slasher and I'm working on it oh, at the cool. moment, the first draft. So if I'm ever thinking about it, I kind of listen to, uh, I really like Aaron Fraser Nash on YouTube. He does a bunch of raps about horror characters and stuff. And then like the Merkins do a bunch of horror themed songs. I like listening to stuff like that to do those for shade. The detective one, I listen to more crime thriller music. I don't, I don't have any specific examples. I really liked uh, the song Awaken Alive by Skillet. I don't know if either one of you have heard that, but it was actually the song I was listening to when I had the idea for Shade, which was my first book idea. So ever since then, I've connected that song with the idea. I don't know if it matches the tone perfectly, but it's always been the theme song to that book in my head. Yeah. Interesting. Uh-huh. So, Nikita, do you have any other notes or any other questions for, for Chad? Yes, I actually have uh, one more question, because I may have missed this in the very beginning. How long did it take you to write Nightmare, and then uh, how long do you have, like, the same amount of time it takes you for each book, or is this second and third one? Are they shorter, longer? Is it taking more time? Um, for, uh, for Nightmare, I spend a lot of time outlining. And then I outline them in my head, like I outlined Nightmare in my head for probably a couple of years. And then I outlined it on paper for half a year, probably. But then the actual writing I got, I did the first draft of Nightmare over a couple months. And then the first draft wasn't that great. And then I really sat down and committed to a second draft. And I got it done over the course of three, three and a half months in between, uh, rot in the summer before I was about to start college. And then after that, I went back and edited it a month later. And then over December break and spring break, I did two more edits and then edited some over the thing. And then for this new one, it took me a little bit longer because it is a slightly longer book. Mm. And then I did more edits on it. But I, so far, I've been able to get both Nightmare and the Detective one done over the course of a summer as far as the first draft, and then I spend a lot of time afterwards editing it. Wow. And but, doing it <laughs> in school, wow, that's even more impressive. Yeah. yeah, it helps to have the outline first because then I don't have to spend a lot of time as thinking of new stuff for the plot. I can just outline. But it was funny, on the Detective one, I'd actually written 10 chapters. No, maybe more. I think it was like 12. And I had another idea for something, specifically with the flashbacks and the serial killer, that was way better than I was originally going to do. And I was like, well, crap, I have to do this now. So I actually, in the span of one day, went back and re-outlined the entire flashback chapters and the wow. way it ended and stuff. And then I had to go back and rewrite three or four chapters that I had just written to make the new thing work. But... That's a lot of a lot of time, a lot of uh, a lot of work goes into it. Mm-hmm. Especially for a, a for a book with so many twists and turns and and uh, you know hidden things that are mentioned and 
to not give clues too many clues away that's that's a lot of back and forth i'm sure as a as a writer to make sure that you don't give too much away mm-hmm. yeah it's it's kind of i spend a lot of time figuring out where to put things and if i know it's a clue that i want to have i spend a lot of time figuring out which chapter to put it in so that way by the time like certain things in nightmare i tried to do later because by the time people got there i was hoping they would already be assuming something else and then things like the dissociative identity disorder I knew that people would predict quickly, so I wanted to get it right all the way right off the bat. So that way, that couldn't be something they used later. So, like, I'd seen someone comment, uh, some YouTuber, I can't remember who, talking about the movie Knives Out and how it used, and how the order in which it revealed clues made it where you remember it all in the end, but you don't see it coming because mm-hmm. of the order they gave clues. And I really agree with that and think that you can give all the clues away, but if you do it in a, the perfect order, it's hard to predict it and build because they're setting up different things. So yeah, I spend a lot of time outlining, trying to figure out where to put those and how to and how to work them in where they're like not extremely awkward, and it's not like it feels natural that this one clue is being set up without like. Yeah, I don't know. I lost the word, but. Without being too revealing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can tell you put a lot of attention to detail, which, like I said, I feel like that makes it different. I don't know how other authors write, but it really made a difference with this one because even like all the stuff you've told us during this discussion is just like, oh, wow. Thought about a lot. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Really? Yeah. A lot of things I didn't even I didn't even realize until this discussion I didn't catch. Mm-hmm. I, I love that about about it because it's uh, a lot of things that now I want to go back and reread it. To I know I know. Uh, well, thanks, uh, Chad, for for chatting with us and taking time out of your day. We you know appreciate it. And, and Nakia, thanks for reading with me. It's been a blast. It's, yes. Let's do it again. Yeah. Definitely, my pleasure. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming by and chatting about it and and blowing our minds all over again because I I know right yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah awesome stuff yeah great it was a great book I really enjoyed it it was mm-hmm. like we talked about it went far enough but not too far so definitely yes yeah. that's not easy to do it's yeah thank it's you yeah. y'all are so nice yeah. you deserve it yeah definitely. Yeah, we look forward to uh, to doing it again with your next book. That's uh, once we get closer to, uh, you know, because I'll put in a pre-order for it and maybe we can plan something and come and chat about it. Yeah, cool. sounds great. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Nakia. Thanks, Chad, for taking time of time out of your days to, to talk about Nightmare. Of course. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks thank everybody you. for. Yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. We'll catch you guys later. All right. Bye.